0: Hey guys, welcome to Taking the Time. We are here with Brian and Brad uh, talking about history of the pilot watch. So, hopefully, we'll show you uh, or provide some new information about pilot watches that you might not have known. So, but first, we're going to do a quick wrist check. What are you wearing today, Brian?
1: All right, today, in the in the essence of uh, pilots, and not not really sure. If this is going to fall in, uh, but today is uh,
0: to sew. Uh, let's see. The controversial plastic gear.
1: Yeah, this um, one
0: has the, uh, the, the
1: plastic fork in it. Um, didn't sell well originally. And now you can, uh, originally, I think the original MSRP in 2011. Yeah, that's how it uh, was around uh 11 or 1200 bucks now you can uh pop on amazon or you know even your one of your you know favorite watch dealers and uh pick one up around 400 bucks so you know and it's uh it's got a great it's it, eta or eta automatic movement it's a legit automatic chronograph it you know you, it will accept manual winding as well as just you know moving your own body around with it um it looks like it was, this, this, this particular one looks like it was designed by a child who saw an accident at a construction site with the caution orange and black. And although you can't see all the little uh, lines that are on it, it yeah, it it kind of looks like that uh, rotating bezel that, you know, it has cardinal directions instead yeah. of something more practical and a date complications so uh altogether I've been wearing this almost every day and just whooping this thing and I mean you know, mowing the lawn doing yard work it doesn't matter it it takes it and it rocks and rolls um you know if you if you if you want one you can get them in uh, also black and white and really it's 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 solid so yeah don't uh, so what do you have there?
0: Today I've got the bronze raider. Oh, very nice. The only one in black, and uh, there's only two bronze case raiders right now. And a gentleman named Chris in Texas has the other one.
1: Yeah, that, the uh, he has the white dial version, doesn't he? Correct. Yeah. And that is uh, that,
0: that is two bronze I made. <laughs>
1: yeah, they came out amazing. Uh,
0: yeah, I uh, I really do like the way the black and the bronze uh, work together. So, so I had to yeah. keep that one.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: right so we're we're going to talk briefly about the history of the Pilot Watch. Uh, obviously, Mitchell being a pilot brand, uh, aviation inspired brand, this is right up my alley. Um, if you want more information, if you go to Timepieces dot com, you can see the history um, of. The pilot watch is just a simple date list type of information, but it will kind of give you the flow of of how things go um, from the beginning of flight to, to uh, in the fifties when, uh, when uh, the big brands and jets start to come into play. So uh, first up on our list is Cartier and 1904 Cartier created the uh, Santos uh, for albert santos dumont which is credited for the first powered flight in europe so it's pretty interesting a lot of people think of cartier as a dress watch or a fashion brand and they definitely do a lot of fashion uh, brand stuff drawing um, things like that but they have an extensive History in um, watchmaking and and timepieces, and including this uh, first pilot watch. So, yeah, and it's a fantastic
1: watch. Uh, It's more the uh, kind of semi-rounded, square, more square-looking dial, and you know, just it by today's standards would probably most people would think, "Oh, well, that's more of a dress watch," but at the time you know, you're talking t- turn of the century, turn of the previous century now. And it was, that was a pilot watch. And, you know, the, you know, what are the, what are the pretty much the criteria for pilot watches? Big numbers that easy to read, Remember. you know, yeah. you, if you're you're flying something, especially the first one, and those guys were <laughs> wild. I mean, there's, they were like the astronauts of their time. And, uh, you know, just total, adrenaline junkies they, they had to just be able to glance at it and tell exactly what time it was and that was pretty much it was exactly it was 100% function it didn't have you know a whole lot of extras or you know
0: extra no components right? yeah and, and you know, uh, Cartier and uh, Santos Dumont were actually friends so that's that's how that relationship came about he's like hey I need a watch that I can easily read when I'm trying to fly this machine yeah,
1: yeah. Like, was like,
0: I've got you.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's it's fantastic how they, you know, a hundred, you know, hundred years later, we're still, you could still buy versions of that watch brand
0: new. They yeah, and I don't, I don't think they really changed it um, until the late '90s, if I remember. That was like the first actual change. I know there's different sizes of the the Santos. Um, there's b- different variations too, um, quartz automatic. Um, but I mean, you can still get that basically the same watch that was created back in, uh, early 1900s. Um, now with, yeah, with very just, aesthetically.
1: Yeah. I mean, just, you know, things you update, you're going to update the loom. You're going to, you know, you're not going to use some radioactive paint anymore. Um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> You know, it's a little more ego friendly and it's a little more user-friendly, but it's basically the same watch, and it's really fantastic that they stuck with it. Yeah, uh, those those bold
0: Roman numerals, the stick hands. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, looking, what's what's next on the list? Okay. What's that
1: okay. Well, we have the next up is the Zenith actually, oh, yeah. and um, it was a Zenith special and I, I have a picture of it here uh i have I actually have been compiling some other pictures too a, a good friend of mine in ireland that uh, you know uh, you know ray Kavanaugh had sent me a, a bunch of pictures of some of the watches that we're going to be uh, talking about the newer versions unfortunately uh, Brad and I were having technical difficulties on getting the watches actually on the screen without just being like, "Hey, here's a watch." Yeah, and this, and we'll, and this is we'll do,
0: this, this is the watch. What we'll do for the for the YouTube audience is, um, is we'll create a graphic that that's uh, set up in the video, and uh, we can show that that uh, Zenith from 1909 and uh, the the milestone that that's credited with is crossing the English Channel, uh, French aviator louis charles joseph barot we'll go with that i probably pronounced that a little bit wrong the last name anyway yeah um
1: yeah and uh basically he strapped on this zenith and he's credited with the first heavier than air flight across the english channel um i don't know if you could see from my rough pictures you know that i I did kind of wave in front of the, the camera uh, pretty pretty basic, very 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 much a pilot watch. Uh, large numerals, easy to read hands, and not a whole lot else going on. I mean, simple leather NATO style, what we would call now, strap. Uh, and this, I mean, this guy was known, you know, to be. Uh, I don't know. I want to say that like the, the king of crashes, um, he he was really dedicated to aviation, and he uh, kind of was, was kind of the evil coneval of, of aviation at the time. And they said, you know, there's no way, there's no way that you know, Mister, you know, Frenchman, that you're you're going to ever fly across the English Channel. And uh, the the prize was like a thousand British pounds, uh, I don't know, adjusted for inflation. I don't know what it was back then or today, but you know it's the equivalent of a 1000 pounds about i don't know 1200 bucks or after brexit might be like 50 bucks but you know so but uh sorry guys over there i know you're you're really hurting on that one but uh you know th- he really just
0: didn't he really just didn't care and he designed he, he actually designed at least it. once right he crashed into the channel at least once trying if I oh, remember correctly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, uh, (laughs) um, I'm trying to look back. It's, uh, I mean, just amazing.
0: Yeah. And the the Zenith watch is, is, um, currently available. The, the homage to it, if you will, is the, um, the pilot type 20 extra special. That's one of them anyways. They make a a whole line of the um, extra special. Um, pilot, and it's got a nice big fat onion crown. It's got uh, the nice strong font, and uh, similar to Cathedral Hands, um, but yeah. a little bit sharper than you, what you would think on a Cathedral Hand.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, like I said uh, I know it's not the best, and uh, but the newer one it has hands similar to this. Yeah, and I'm only showing. Very bad pictures because it's difficult to, um, you know, think of, you know, when you you know you talk about different kinds of hands and everybody's like, you know, well, cathedral hands could be this or this or this, yeah, and I mean it, it's crazy that in, in 1909 uh, he, he crossed 31 miles of. I'm very unprofessional. My phone rang. Uh, you know, across the 31 miles of the English Channel, open water. It's cold. If he went in, he, you know, you know, he's talking. Unless there's, you know, people that rescue boat or something there near where he went in, it was probably going to have hypothermia and, and drown. Uh, 31 miles, made it across in 40 minutes, at an altitude between 150 and 300 feet and you know i mean so he's flying low you know so anybody that was under him in a boat could probably see the terror and excitement on his face as he's you know flying this rickety craft across the english channel which is notorious for bad weather and squalls and things that come out of nowhere and you know but he did it and so that zenith is uh it's implanted in that
0: aviation and uh, yeah, pilot, number pilot. number two in uh, in the history books for for pilot watches uh, on the on the chronological milestones. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, next up we have we have quite a gap here from 1909 to 1927. Um, that's uh, Charles Lindbergh and the Longines that crossed the Atlantic. So a Longines. lot a lot of progress was made between 1909 Whoa. and 1927. Think about. Um, barely going across the 31-mile channel in 40 minutes to flying all the way across the Atlantic. Um, Charles Lernberg um, completed that with a Longines, and this is a very unique Longines. If you if you ever look that watch up, it has quite an eccentric and eccentric, excuse me, dial for for a watch.
1: Yeah, the Longines, they've really. Did it well. I've 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 seen that uh, aircraft actually in the Smithsonian, the Spirit of St. Louis had uh, no windshield really. I don't I, if I remember correctly. And basically, the whole thing was a flying fuel tank. So
0: yeah. One, yeah. one seat
1: and, um, yeah, and and a whole lot of a whole lot of fuel and some some wheels on the bottom and giant wings and that, and that's it. And he he, he made it. Yeah, yeah, you know, with the longine just on his on his wrist and uh, hope and a prayer. I don't know, you know, it's pretty much a, a compass is all. You know, he, he didn't. These weren't modern times when these people did this. It was really rather, rather crazy. <laughs>
0: but you know, and the and the watch. Um, when I look at this watch, I don't think of a pilot watch at all because it it, it it's busy the dial is very busy. Um, There's Roman numerals on the outside track. There's um, Arabic numbers on the inside track. There's another track for the seconds. And um, it does have a nice fat onion crown, but man, the watch is just busy. If I was going to choose a pilot watch right now, it definitely would not be that one.
1: Um, Not not for that that kind of (laughs) harrowing experience where you just, and I mean, you you have to remember I
0: mean, he's open ocean. Most of that trip was done at night. I'd um, like to get into the mind because he actually helped design the watch. So it's kind of like to be in the mind of uh of of Mr. Lindbergh when um he was designing that to kind of get a, a full understanding justification of of um how he designed that and why. I know part of it was um Due to some of the challenges of pilots getting lost and things like that, but that watch is very interesting. Um, I saw a thing um, pop up when I was trying to find some more information that it was actually um, the re- the release the new release version of it's like five grand. Yeah, that's, that's on the top of the food chain for Longines, I believe.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's definitely like I said, I have. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I had I had a, gotten a, a bunch of pictures, and unfortunately, yeah, was a good friend of mine, yeah, Emerald Isle had really had had gone through the ringer to get me some pictures, and uh, unfortunately, it just it's it's not going to do them justice to stick it in front of a webcam.
0: But yeah, thank thank we'll, thank we'll, we'll get the minute. graphic up for the YouTube the YouTube yeah. folks, and uh, we can share it around. So that's no big deal. So all right. Twenty-seven. We're moving on up the food chain to nineteen thirty-six. This uh, little yeah. watch company called IWC.
1: Yeah, just, yeah, it was in its in its infancy, uh, similar to uh, Volkswagen at the time. Was small company, <laughs> and uh, so that kind of says where the uh, the IWC Big Pilot is going it was a German watch company. Uh, at the time, it, uh, is it? Are they still
0: German? I believe, yeah.
1: I think so. Um, they may have some Swiss pieces in it, but um, and they really they no, they're uh, Swiss. I'm sorry, you're right. Uh, the, yeah, they, they got they were bought. I think post war by the Swiss probably got it for a really good deal because their factory was probably rubble because they were the ones who provided the watches to the German air force or the Luftwaffe.
0: So and that, that big pilot was 55 millimeters.
1: Oh yeah. Massive. Massive. I mean,
0: and IWC wasn't the only brand to make that. Um, there was LACO, there was a Lang and Sohn, um, Winpei and Stoa. So there was uh, several brands that were making that exact same watch. Um, that giant, huge <laughs> pilot watch. Yeah. That, uh, the, the bombers actually, um, war so they could synchronize bombs and time, time runs, things like that. And, uh, they made a, um, a throwback to that, a 55 millimeter version with modern, um, you know, crystal movement, things like that. And it sold for like 15 grand. So it was a limited edition, um, pretty, pretty amazing piece though.
1: And, and they're still making them, uh, there's some big, nice, big pilot watches are clean. I mean, when we talked about doing a pilot watch episode first my first thought, everything was IWC. And because that's just it gives such a commanding presence on the wrist. I mean, it looks like an aviation dial that they just oh. scale.
0: That's um, where the. Um the type A and the type B dials came from. This is a type, a type A dial, but that's where that rooted from is world war two is, is those two primary pilot dials that you think of.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was, it, at the time it was extremely important to be able to uh, precisely time, you know, it was basically synchronize their watches to, you know, drop bombs at X time. And that was it. I mean, a lot of these, you know, you're going back and this wasn't modern stuff. They, they really just had, they needed the precision. They knew about how long it should take, say, to fly from wherever the, you know, airfield was in France before they should be over this part of the UK. They didn't have radar. They didn't have any of that. So, I mean, and they pretty much went off of times and cardinal directions. So yeah, pretty impressive when you think that, those were used as, I mean, effective. You know, they were they were very effective in, in warfare, and yeah. it's it's really cool.
0: All right, so we're we're finishing the pre-war uh, section, and we're purposely leaving out the American timepieces, the the Hamiltons, the Walthams, and uh, the Elgins. So the GCT we're leaving out. Those are pocket watches specifically that the Americans were using during World War II. Um, if you guys are interested in that, let us know in the comments if that's something that you want to learn about or um, hear about in a show because we can absolutely do that. Um, I have examples of each. Um, it's quite an interesting uh, thing if you're that much of a nerd like like I am. So um, now that we're finished the pre-war, we got the post-war and the first big event was in 52, right? Is that right, Brian?
1: I believe so. Yeah, 1952. You might be talking about the Breitling Nav Timer.
0: Yep, that's the one. Uh,
1: entering the the jet age uh, is exciting for aviation. Uh, you know, even though we you know, we were using propellers, propeller planes up through Korea and even into Vietnam, we still use propellers. But you know, we did have some jets and in, you know, I think a majority of air travel is still propeller planes, but we were starting to get into more jet technology, um, you know, and ways towards basically more modern, you know, point A to point B at 500 and something miles an hour at pressurized cabins and things like that, which back, you know, in the fifties you probably had a propeller plane with 16 stops to go to Australia or something like that. So it was <laughs> going to be a long flight, but yeah, I mean, Breitling nav time. Are you going to, this is, it's kind of
0: a, a the introduction of uh, the chronograph and really in a lot of ways, the pilot watches that you think of now are, are mostly chronographs. Um, unless it's a vintage inspired piece. It seems like anyway, Um, IWC makes a lot of chronographs. Um, If you think of the space race and and space, you think of the Omega Speedy, which is a chronograph, which is Uh I mean, that Breitling really said, okay, we're doing chronographs now. (laughs) And it seems like a lot of people followed suit. (laughs) Yeah, immensely, immensely popular. And it kind of
1: it was kind of the first fashion statement and highly accurate timepiece, kind of that they, they put out. I mean, so it was kind of the era of the, the playboy pilots, you know, you fly people over the French Riviera and then spend the next day, you know, a few days, you know, you know, partying in the South of France before you had to fly back and, you know, the big, you know, big silver watch on your wrist and, you know, all, all kinds of things. And it was also, it was almost a, It was the beginning of a a lifestyle, Uh, the beginning of the jet set age, even though they weren't jets yet, but it was that, you know, oh yeah, well, I'm for the weekend and, you know, look at my nice big shiny watch too. So it was practical in the air and on the ground and everybody liked it and it looked really cool. Let's, let's face it. I mean, we don't, you don't buy just an ugly, boring watch and go, Oh, this is the greatest thing on earth! You, you want something that really kind of captures what it is you like about watches, and that I think that really with the Navtimer, that's what it did. Is it caught? You know, you know, both it was function meets it. It was the first one to show that function can be handsome, you know, and uh, uh, it was kind of more that like Playboy pilot era so and
0: and the, and the the navitimer's were were a large watch for the time too yeah so, so they were definitely maybe indirectly a, state, a statement piece as well
1: i, uh, I think so uh, yeah I mean, uh,
0: they, I mean they were the when i think of breitling i automatically think of the navitimer that's like that's their marquee piece yeah. Even still, um, I don't think they're as popular as, as they used to be, but but that's the iconic piece for Brightling really and, and the one that has such heritage with them.
1: Yeah, they I mean they they went through some changes and they Yeah, you know, everybody has different opinions on how Brightling kind of moved through life and then kinda You know, people say, you know, well, you know, around this time they changed it and it got worse or it got better or, you know, everybody has an opinion. Some some years were much more attractive than others, but yeah,
0: they actually share a factory or they have an arrangement with Tudor currently that um, they share movements it's like Tudor makes um, one movement for a certain Breitling and then Breitling makes the chronograph movement for one of the specific Tudors. So that's kind of an interesting uh, a relationship. It's a good segue into our, our last piece, too. Um, in 1950, was it 54 or 55? I thought it was 54 that the GMT Master came about. So now we're talking about Rolex. And that's our our final stop on the journey of uh, of the first pie. It's fifty five. My fault. I thought it was.
1: I was looking. I was, you know, I was looking for it. I was like, oh, I got. I want to be sure because this is, of course, not just watches, but also a history lesson, So we kind of have to be accurate. You, know, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, it was in the fifties.
0: Yeah. So, nineteen fifty five. Rolex introduced the GMT Master. They worked with Pan Am Airways to create that watch uh interesting thing about that is there is a a unicorn gmt master out there with a white dial which um i guess some of the execs got a white dial gmt master every other gmt master you're ever going to see uh had a black dial and of course uh, i think it's still only available in a black dial they made a root beer a bra like a, a brown dial a root beer dial in the '70s, um, but all the steel watches had a black dial, especially there in the in the early '50s or in the in the '50s. But there was a white dial that I believe the some of the executives got from Pan Am. So a white dial GMT Master. Um, oh, I should have the reference number off the top of my head, but I don't. It's uh It's not a 1675. There was one model before that. It was like a 64 four or something. Uh, That's embarrassing. I used to know all my reference numbers for Rolex, but but it's the model before the 1675 which um, is probably the most iconic vintage um, GMT master. So um, and and I think out of out of all these, um, you know, people are gonna people are gonna bust my balls for this but GMT is probably my favorite out of this list. Um, I really like the IWC Big Pilot, but it's too big for me. It's a 46 millimeter watch. Um, I really do like the Zenith Extra Special um, that's out now. That's a really cool watch. If you said, hey, pick a GMT or a Zenith, I would probably have a hard time um, picking between those two. Um, well, which one would you pick out of the list?
1: Me? Um, yeah. I'm going to say either the iwc because of because of the size and i am a a sizable sizable guy um it would it would definitely i frequently wear 50 millimeter watch and it looks like a regular watch on on my wrist but uh you know the other one could be the actually the the zenith um you know, and I, you know, you'd think that I would go immediately go to Breitling Navtimer. Yeah. I do love that watch. It is, it will always be a classy watch unless they just, I don't know, do something terrible to it. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, it is such, and it's iconic. I mean, people see it and they they know what it is, and you can spot one from across the room. It's it's really amazing. But I, you know, learning about these. The new Zenith, uh, I think, is, is really, really cool. Uh, I would get the larger one, obviously. And the uh, the, the Longine is excellent as well. Uh, like I said, I have some, some pictures from uh, a friend of mine, and, and uh, he, had, he had sent me pictures of his uh, Longine. That's the, the newer one. Like I said, we just can't, with the technical difficulties, but... Thank you to Ray Cavanaugh at the Emerald Isle in Ireland for the fantastic pictures. I assure you, we will figure out a way to use some of these one of these things, But, uh, yeah, I mean, the IWC is just, uh, I don't own one yet. So, I mean, I'd, I'd really, I think I would go there. They have a, a day date complication that's pretty easy. Um, yeah, so I, that's one of my things. I like I like a date complication. The day, take it or leave it. But it's uh, yeah, I think that that
0: one probably would kind of be at the top of my list. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's an interesting question, and uh, that's what we're gonna pose to you guys before I leave is um, in the comments. I want to know which one would be your favorite. Which one would you pick? Would you pick Cartier? a Zenith, long Jeans, an IWC, a Breitling, or a Rolex GMT Master. So if you want to drop that in on the comments, that is it for our quick history lesson of the Pilot Watches. If you like this, let us know. If you didn't like it, let us know. Yeah, We're uh, coming up with different content and uh, putting a show out once a week, and we're trying to stick to that 30-minute mark. So uh, let us know how we're doing and what you'd like to see, and we will see you next time on Taking the Time.
1: Thank you very much. Brian Coach, Dr. Q signing off. Until next time.